Production. Recorded live. Welcome to the 147th Virtualization Cloud Security Podcast, where we will be joined by Illumio to talk about hybrid cloud security and what has to change. But first, our panelist today is Eben Rodriguez, a Principal Cloud Solutions Architect at Spirit Communications. Thank you, Eben. Welcome. Michael Berman is a subject matter expert in security virtualization working at TitleScale. Michael will be joining us shortly. Mike Foley is from VMware Technical Marketing Team and his focus is solely on the security of the vSphere platform. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Thank you. And our special guest is Alan Cohen of Illumio. And you know, Alan, you've got quite a history here. You got um, you, you said you've been at Cisco. You've been in 25 years doing virtualization and cloud and security and stuff like that. So why don't you tell us what you do there? Uh, so I, I'm the chief commercial officer at Lumio, and I sit on the board. Um, but effectively, what I do is I focus on the end-to-end customer experience um, for and commercialization of Lumio from the first time a customer hears about us through the uh, post-sales and support function um, of the company. Um, so it's a it's kind of a new gig and kind of a new approach to uh, uh, you know creating this kind of role. And technically, I'm actually the company's CIO since the IT guy works for me. Okay, wonderful. And hopefully we'll be joined later by one of your other um, people, and if that happens, please let us know. Um, so the first question we have, I mean, tell us a little bit about Illumio. People have been, I mean, there's been a fair amount of conversation on Twitter. I've actually personally seen a couple of your demos. Tell us a little bit for the rest of the well, community. I'm happy to. By the way, Edward, uh, Matthew Glenn, our VP of Product Management, just walked in as well, and Matt's, Matt's responsible actually for um, Lumio's uh, roadmap and, and, and capabilities. So we'll, uh, we'll 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 have a little bit of fun working together today with you. Um, Lumio, Lumio, very simply, is a data center and cloud security company um, with a very very particular twist, which is that. What we've done is taken the properties of computing, and as they are moving today, where things become more distributed, dynamic, um, hybrid, and heterogeneous, and we built a software platform that mirrors that type of computing environment. And then the second thing about Lumio, and then I'll, let's let's obviously jump into the you know the real meat here, is that rather than configure devices. Um, or even software that runs on devices, we actually compute the optimal security topology um, of applications or of a data center or, or applications running in a public cloud based on the context of the computing as well as the context of the network. And then we recompute it anytime there are any changes, uh, so we effectively adapt to changes in the environment, whether they are things that are spinning up through orchestration or whether something like a, something bad happened and we have to deal with it. Okay, but that actually begs the question of there's a fair amount of changes that are required to make hybrid cloud security work, and that's really where I see Illumio really shining. You can't. 
think about things in their normal ways. There's no bastion firewall, for example. What else has to change? What other well, I mean, way of thinking about things has to change? Yeah, uh, let me let me start, and then I'm going to hand it to Matt. The thing that I think for a lot of people that has to start the change is that you cannot deal with your data center, and then let's say a public cloud is two different separate entities, right? You can't create two different approaches because people are effectively going to move in and out of public computing environments, and hopefully a very seamless way and a very fast way. So uh, that would be property number one that has to change, and number two that we are getting to a point in people, particularly larger companies, their computing environment, that the sheer complexity and scale of those environments is moving beyond the ability of human beings to manually configure and reconfigure um, the infrastructure to deal with with those changes. Were you going to add something, Matt? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, because, the, you know, with Illumio, the enforcement actually happens at the workload. That could be a bare metal server. It could be uh, a virtualized OS instance. It could be based on a process operating inside of a single server. Um, because of that, uh, there's sort of, and, and the fact that you don't have to think about the network, as it were, uh, to create security. Um, basically, it'll, it, it allows you to sort of think about how the application and the relationships between the elements of an application, like if you're running a LAMP stack, you know, you, you know, and you're a developer, you think, oh, I have an Apache web server that talks to MySQL, for instance. Um, that's how developers think about writing their applications. They don't necessarily think about IP addressing. And um, when we move to hybrid clouds, it creates an entirely new level of complexity, as you pointed out, um, because people now have to run what I'll call uh, uh, um, asymmetric security, where you know in their private data center they have a specific platform, appliance, virtual appliance, uh, appliance that they generally use, and in cloud they have to think about their security in a completely different way. One of the nice things about um, the way you know if you distribute the enforcement to the endpoints, it sort of abstracts the entire network um, and all the all the complexity of, of IP addressing and networking, as it were, and pushes the enforcement out to the edge. And so, you know, it actually makes the forwarding fabric of a network much more simple than it uh, normally is because we, we worry about the fabric and the forwarding plane much more when we're in a hybrid cloud than we do if we, if we were to just think about pushing that enforcement to the edge. The thing that, you know, Alan alluded to that's super important about Illumio is it's really all about the algorithm where we've computed the optimal security for each one of those workloads or processes within, uh, within an application. And you don't have to worry about what the connectivity, as it were, uh, is. So you don't have to worry about VLANs or anything like that. Sorry for rambling on. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's, it also it's interesting. I was talking to another customer, another uh, hopefully uh, sponsor customer um, yesterday, and they were talking about, you know, in the cloud, there is no layer two. You're not going to be sitting on the wire. You may be sitting on a virtual wire, or you may be routed through. So putting a traditional appliance on means you have to maintain a massive routing table, depending on the size of the environment. Well, and you know, to that point, if you can do it, because you may not actually have an IP address in, let's say, an environment like Amazon that's here today, and then it might not be there tomorrow. So the construct, I mean, I think, you know, the architectural issue for all of us, and I'd love to hear obviously what Mike and Michael and, and even have to say about this as well, 
is that we've gone, if you think about the history of networking, networks are about hierarchies. Um, and effectively, it's a hierarchical model. And for the last 20 years of computing, that's worked really well. But as computing becomes much more distributed, the hierarchy, and basically and distributed means outside your sphere of control, or outside of the infrastructure that you actually own or control, um, the, the purely distributed nature of where computing is going breaks the hierarchy of networking. And that's the fundamental, I think, architectural construct that we're all wrestling with right now in, 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 the, um, in thinking about and, and being able to rebuild security so people can take advantage of that distributed computing environment. Well, what, guys, what do you guys think? What, is, what do you think is necessary to change our way of thinking about hybrid cloud security? I mean, we can't put those physical appliances everywhere these days. And I doubt Amazon would let you do it anyway. So, so let's take this uh, and recall the technology adoption life cycle in the S-curve. Um, what do I think about this? I think we're at the very uh, early part of early adopters probably. Uh, I don't know which companies you're working with today, but I would imagine they're um, really excited about hybrid cloud and able to accept some risk to move into this new technology area, right? But is it new? And that's the other question I have to ask. And, and uh, Mike, Mr. Foley, you, you've you been dealing with um, virtualized security for as long as I have. Is, yep. this, is the need for this really new? Or is it the mindset just hasn't changed fast enough? Well, you know, if we look back to when you and I first started uh, uh, chatting about virtualization security, we were talking about a very data center I own everything sort of mode. And we really weren't talking about um, you know, public cloud. We certainly weren't talking about hybrid cloud. And public cloud and hybrid cloud bring in a whole new set of challenges. So if I own the data center soup to nuts, then I can go off and see if I can find a product that leverages the infrastructure to provide security out of band of the virtualization of the VM itself. But when I start talking hybrid cloud and, and public cloud, I probably don't have that level of uh, capability for introspection. Uh, and that now pushes the security back up into the VM. And it, it, you know, it, it always brings challenges. And uh, I, I'd love to see at some point some type of um, standardization around introspection not from within the VM, but from the v the infrastructure up, regardless of what the infrastructure is. And that, that I mean, you and I have been talking about putting in virtual firewalls. We've been part of the VM safe introspective layers. I've talked to many vendors that want to move between a virtual environment, let's say vSphere or even Hyper-V or anywhere and then want to go into a hybrid cloud where, you know, it's running something completely different. So the introspection, as you said, just doesn't match up. Yeah. So they always go agent full in one environment or the other. And I'm assuming with Illumio, uh, I mean, um, Alan, Matt, that this is, you, you're needing an agent inside that, that virtual machine or host to get the level of security you're talking about. Actually, what we're doing, so um, there's something... Agent or driver. 
It's not a driver, internal mods, anything like that. It's think about it like an antenna where it's just going to look at some baseline information about the individual workload it's paired with, and then it sends that information up to a centralized engine called the policy compute engine. The policy compute engine, think about it like a giant, it's an algorithm machine, and it computes the optimal security for that individual workload, and then the actual, and then it, it, it sends it back to this VEN, which is, you know, this is the receiving portion of the antenna, and then it puts the enforcement into what's already actually inside of the workload, so it's actually basically standardized. In the case of Linux, it's IP tables, or if it's a Windows uh, workload, it's the Windows filtering platform. It's basically a, a bunch of real estate that's been sitting inside of the host that no one's really using. Maybe it's just automating all that. You got it. That's exactly. I think that's exactly it. It is the uh, it is the visibility and the automation. And obviously, this type of architecture is extensible to lots of computing frameworks, right? As opposed to being tied to one or the other. But because it effectively uh, lives with the workload itself, it moves and with the workload. You know what I what we what we see and you know you know there was some before and I wanted to answer um, I don't know if it was I think it was Mike or even is that we have a range of customers some of our customers are extremely large enterprises that are purely in their data center we have other customers that are put things in public cloud and then people are hybrid and in our universe the answer is is really on some level we're divorced from the decision we like to joke that we don't we don't really have any skin in the game between private data center and public cloud. That's a compute decision made by the enterprise. Similarly, we don't care if you're using bare metal, and by the way, there is a lot of bare metal still out there, or if you're using virtualization or you're using containers. Right? That is a yet another level of decision that is made for optimization of compute. Um, so what we try to do is come, you know, we don't we don't we're not in the middle of that decision. That's a, I always joke that's like a different war. We don't fight that war. We're in the we're in whatever choice you make. We're providing that onboard security and policy engine, um, and policy enforcement. Uh, whatever happens, so you know the I think was even said before. There are people all over the map. So some of I mean, if you look at the people we've worked with, they are there are some large tech properties and very advanced, but some of them are some of the largest financial institutions in the world who are a bit more conservative about use of public cloud to people like Plantronics and Creative Artists, kind of very kind of mid-sized companies that are very agile, you know, billion, two billion dollars in revenue, who are in all environments. Yeah, and, and, and I think one of the, in, in those environments, and I think, you know, the larger the organization, the more, I think there's a, the idea of flattening and simplifying the actual fabric of the network is a pretty alluring uh, byproduct of pushing the enforcement to the edge, right? You don't need, as Alan was talking about hierarchy earlier, right? So, you know, when VLANs first appeared, they were there to make logical broadcast domains and layer two networks, right? Sort of begot switching, as it were. Um, and we basically, you know, VLANs have evolved in the data center to provide the, you know, some level of segmentation for security reasons, but then there's a bunch of complexity that follows it. Um, and, and SDN is really no different. Yeah, there's a simplification of the porting fabric, but then you have all the tunneling overhead. And, you know, and, you know I think it's a great service provider technology, not necessarily the best for the enterprise. Um, and so, uh, so basically, 
the byproduct of, of when you use an Illumio is all that is, becomes irrelevant. It can run on top of SDN, it runs on top of uh, VLANs, but it, it, over, it really just simplifies the enforcement to the very, very edge. And, and that, as I said earlier, it allows you to abstract the fabric, the forwarding plane of the network. So that's why hybrid becomes easier. And then just even if you're in a private data center, that too becomes a little bit easier. So what has to change in the hybrid cloud? I mean, if I'm talking 10, 20,000 VMs, or I'm talking 10, you know, massive amount of automation, we know that. But I'm not going to sit there and try to maintain 10,000, 50,000 firewalls without some help. But what's the well, process yeah, yeah. by which somebody's going to go off and do this? And I'd actually like to get some ideas from um, Mike and Eben and Michael about this. What what do you need to do to start? When you start going, start thinking about deploying in the cloud, what's the first thing you should be asking yourself? Well, we've, we've talked in the past about um, how, how the adoption of cloud, public cloud specifically, is uh, kind of lower for the more security-sensitive apps. And the, one of the challenges and the reasons for that is the security policies that companies have for their most sensitive restricted data requires a lot of security controls that just aren't available in the public cloud. Or if they are available, they're very complex. So it seems like this would potentially be a good solution to make it simpler to migrate those sensitive workloads to the public cloud because it, simplifying the policies and the knowing the context of where your application is running would be much easier. It's automated. And as we said earlier at the beginning, I agree with that 100%. Humans just can't do it anymore. It's not like you can't say, I'm going to move this application to public cloud and configure some firewall rules because it changes all the time. So it has to be dynamic and context sensitive to apply those policies. Is that something that is possible now with this technology? Guys, Alan? Matt? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, of course, we'd probably be jumping up and down and say yes, right? Um, but, 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 yeah, no. I, but I think you know, the you know, the fundamental issue is that you know, and I and I look, I know that you know, Mike's on from Boston, right, at the VTUG, right. The, the beauty of virtualization is that it provided a level of abstraction to reduce basically the operational, both to take advantage of compute resources. And then secondly, to remove the operational burden of being able to spin things up and spin them down, right? And it was a unique element. You know, in that vein, you know, by, by we, we create abstraction through context. So by understanding the compute environment and having this giant um, brain, right, this effectively, um, a, you know, a large computing center uh, have the ability to maintain all of this, uh, we do a couple things. One... Uh, where we're able to maintain state over a very large element. The other part that I think is very important, and PJ Kerner, our, our co-founder, spent a lot of time on this, by being able to write policy and express security in terms of natural language, we actually reduce the amount of overhead. So I think it was Yvonne was saying, or someone was saying before, it might have been you, Edward. It's like the goal is not to maintain firewall rules. Um, one of our, our large um, enterprise customers has been able to reduce 120,000 firewall rules to a couple of dozen policies because you're now expressing your security the way the application developer 
thinks about it. So right. I think, you know, you, you, what you have to do is you have to extract simplicity to be able to scale, not master complexity. Right? Master complexity is just adding more layers of complexity and, you know, at some point in time, being, running your computing stack shouldn't be the equivalent of being, like, certified to do somebody's federal taxes. Right? It's just, it is, it is beyond human beings' ability to do it, as we talked about earlier. So, I think, you know, our focus on being able to do this at scale is actually by simplifying the paradigm to start with and then effectively using machines to maintain state and changes versus human beings. The, the secondary benefit of that is that when you have anomalies, then you have people who can actually deal with the anomalies. Um, Peter Thiel, in his recent book, um, has a really interesting analogy for this that we, we really subscribe to. If I wanted to find a picture of my dog in my iPhotos um, uh, files, I could spend six months writing a program to do it, or I could have my six-year-old look at it and say, there's our dog. Right? There are certain things that lend itself for visualization and use the cognitive skills, and that's obviously what you want your security people to do, to really spot the really wicked bad stuff, whether it's in a public cloud or it's in a private data center. There are other things when it comes to crunching large piles of numbers and large you know, numbers of devices that you want software to do and not human beings. So I think the way that you work through distributed computing and you work through complexity is by a new parsing of the work among all of us who work in IT and have to do it. So, Tahari, sorry if I got a little abstract on this one, but I think, you know, the, you know what we're trying to, we're not trying to replace the firewall, we're changing the paradigm uh, for policy and enforcement and security. Well, in, in, so, in a way you're, you're approaching this, uh, perhaps you should say a little bit about how you, uh, differentiate from, say, a, a Palo Alto. So if, if we look at what, you're, what I think you're doing here, right, you're deploying, I'm going to call it an agent. You know, we don't, we don't have to agree that's the right term, but I'm going to call it an agent. It runs on Linux. It runs on Windows. It makes use of the, the native packet filtering, um, what we would have called, you know, a long time ago, you know, personal firewall capabilities that are now, that are built into these operating systems. And you do a great deal of simplification because what you do is you take a policy like, you know, core banking is not accessible to China, and you translate that into local firewall rules, whether it be for Linux or for Windows, on that core banking application wherever it is in the data center or the cloud because you're enforcing those rules, you know, basically at the OS, what I'll say is the OS container for the application. Now, that's a, a great deal of work. So you've taken a lot of the complexity. You know, when you say you've reduced 30,000 firewall rules, in reality, you have it. You know, you've got those 30,000 firewall rules, and you've now actually spread them out all to the endpoints, which is great because, you know, having the central choke points, we all would agree is not so good. Um, and what you've done is you've hidden that complexity so that a user can say, you know, between, you know, 9 o'clock at night and, and midnight, these people can access it and most people cannot, and then you turn that into the rules uh, that make that happen. Is that, is that a good capture? And then... That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty good way of stating it, very impressive. Uh, the other, there's a couple things, though, I, I think that are worth bearing out, right? So sure. if you really think about what we're doing, 
we're effectively applying graph theory, like relational graph theory into the data mm -hmm. center, right? right? And that is pushed out to the very, very edge. However, um, one of the things, when we think about like a virtual firewall appliance, and, I, and we've sort of talked about it in this discussion today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of go one, I'm gonna peel the onion, layer of the onion back one further, is you know, that, that choke point lacks context, right? So it might know that there's a bunch of IP addresses or a specific subnet behind it, but it might not know which processes are active on those particular endpoints, right? And in the case uh, where, we're, where there's a C change, right? We talked, we've talked about hybrid cloud and how fast uh, change is happening. Those, those changes, the, the, the choke point is effectively so separated from those changes that it can't keep context. So when we talk to a lot of large organizations, they basically accrue something I like to call policy debt. And policy debt, the, the way that we always ask, you know, a, a, the way we talk to our customers about is like, you know, how many rules do you have in your global ACL list on your firewalls? You know, for a large organization, it's probably in the millions, right? And the next question you say is, well, how many of those are actually being used today? How many of those are actually active? And they'll say, oh, you know, 70, 80%. Okay, then let's take out the other 20%, and they're afraid to do it because that firewall lacks context. So when you said that 30,000 rules earlier, it made me think about, yeah, maybe there are 30,000 rules, but probably a major subset of them aren't really even being used. And one of the benefits of the context that we have with our VEN and the policy compute engine is that we have, we literally, that the graph that we compute is the perfect graph. It's based on the host the processes operating on the hosts, and how those individual workloads relate to one another. So, right. so you're, yeah, so you're you looking at – There's another benefit of it. What's so that? Just, just to clarify, you're looking at, say, say it's a, a, a database of some sort, uh, Postgres. Uh -huh. So you've got clients yeah. and servers, and maybe even some interaction between um, a LAMP stack for Postgres. You're looking yep. at, on an individual server-by-server -server basis, okay, on this server, Postgres is running – on this server, PHP is running, et cetera. And then these are the ports and listeners, and this is the communication. You're looking at the communication topology and the application and say as a, uh, another uh, uh, dimension in the graph. And then you, yep. you look at all of that as a, um, I don't know, a path, I don't want to get into the machine learning you may be doing, but you're, you're, doing, you're applying a machine learning algorithm to the graph to, to translate the human policy to the actual policies on the endpoints. And that, that is correct. And, and you, okay. you, know, you talked about two of the dimensions that we use, like you know, uh, role being, you know, this is a database and that's a web server, right? And mm -hmm. if those two are brought together, they might comprise an HR application, Right, so this is the database and web server, my HR application, and they have a relationship with one another. And that's a, what I'll call a micrograph of that particular application. But the fact is that HR application might live in the dev environment, the staging environment, the prod environment, and the uh, production environment, right? And today yeah. we use 
we use physical isolation, right? The classic VPC application is you put your dev and QA resources in a VPC inside of Amazon, but that's you know geographically and you know separated out from your dev and from your prod environment. But how many times has a dev workload forked its way into production and done what it's supposed to do, but with unfortunate consequences for the enterprise, right? So one of the mm-hmm. things we can do with this is we can separate out those environments without needing any form of networking to do so. Because once again, the enforcement is done at the individual host, both inbound and outbound. And then the other dimension that we can do as part of this graphing exercise, we can separate geographic locations. And then you said one earlier, I don't want uh, uh, location or country A to talk to this HR application because it has geo-residency issues, right? Um, and the, 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 what the thing that this has in common is that it's not really a networking thing. It's a relational thing, and, we, and the policy computer engine computes the relationships. And yes, but we're actually enforcing them in, IP, in, in an IP world, you know, L3, L4. Hold on a second. Now, now, now you hit an area that's really interesting, and this is what I think is really the strongest point about Illumio, in my opinion, but it's that relationship. I have 40,000 VMs. I think the first thing that I need to do is detect that relationship. I'm personally not going to do it. That's just way too much work. I want tools to do it for me. And I want to be able to go through a workflow to approve it or disapprove it or re-change it or modify it after I get it. And then I want that relationship outputted in something like a Tosca graph or something that I can then input into my other tools. Because every tool that I'm working with, whether it's data protection, security, performance management, application performance, application development, any part of my IT stack has to know what the definition of that application is to start with. And how does Lumio define that application? Because if you're requiring a human to do it at the beginning, other than pushing a button, that could be rather tricky. If you tell them yeah. to approve it, that's totally different. That's what I'm, I'm asking for. Is it, it, so we have the, all these different policies. So we mentioned we're moving from well, this is firewall rules. Policy. I, can't, I can't even define a policy until I know what my application is and what it contains. And I don't even know that because my application could be today 5 VMs inside of Amazon and tomorrow 30,000. They can spin up that fast. So what's part of my application and what's not? How do I define that? Let's, let's go there, and then we can worry about policy because if I can't define the app, I don't even know what policy to put towards it. So uh, can, I, can I dive in on sure, that Sure, please. Okay. Please. So um, if you think about Illumio, um, it, we, the, uh, we, we, you know, today we've talked really about uh, what I'll call the, you know, almost a Ferrari thing, because everyone wants to talk about enforcement and enforcing policies, et cetera. But the fact is, I, I, if you're an enterprise and you, and, you, and you you didn't just start like last year or the year before, there's probably some stuff in your environment that you don't really know about. So we actually, <laughs> we, we, have, we, have, we have a mode that we develop based on interacting with some pretty large customers and we call it illumination mode. So everything we talked about so far, um, someone described the graph, and you pointed out earlier, yeah, I know how that application works, and then the policy compute engine takes that 
and enforces it. It enforces, it, it basically tells the individual workloads how to enforce the graph the way that you described it. But there's a, but there's a huge chunk of the world that's a little bit more brownfield than that. And um, illumination sort of solves that very particular problem. So in illumination mode, what happens is the, the VEN operates, it's still just using IP tables, but what we do is we start collecting SIN packets. And, um, and those SINs are passed up to the policy compute engine. The policy compute engine is getting you know, the context of the individual workload. So if there's you know, one workload that's the web tier of, uh, of a uh, web application, but then tomorrow there's 50 of them because it's the, uh, you know, CNN has a big thing running. Um, those all basically look a lot alike between one another. The VEN allows us to have that context that they're basically the exact same thing as part of that particular application. But what's more interesting than that, I think, is the fact that this information is fed up to the policy compute engine, and we run a set of clustering and graph algorithms against that. And what this allows us to do is to learn what has relationships with what within the data center, and we help users sort of tease out their applications, um, and they can start defining what the relationships are within them. And that's really where a lot of our customers start with our product. And I almost look at it sort of like earlier, you talked about how do you get to this hybrid cloud, and I like to use the spatula analogy, right? You start with a, um, a, a set of workloads inside your own private data center, you put the vent on them, you learn what the graph looks like, and when you feel like you've got it, you take those workloads and you spatula lift them into, into, a cloud, into a cloud service provider, and that allows that cloud, allows you to have the exact same security you had in your own private data center, but now it's running inside of Amazon or it's running inside of Azure. And one of our customers, that was exactly how they used the product. They wanted to get out of their own private data center, but they wanted to have a uniform security policy. This is CAA I'm speaking of. And that's, that's exactly how they used the product. They started with illumination, they built the actual security policy, and then they moved those workloads into Amazon or Azure. And this allowed them to basically almost, uh, they can go between cloud service providers without having to worry about security. So almost give them an arbitrage opportunity. So and presumably um, that's uh, because they, they basically bake you into the images, and then as the images move around, you move around with them. You don't care where you are. Yeah, and, and as things yeah. scale, we recalculate the graph. And an important point, though, is we're not recomputing every single node in the graph. We only compute the diff and the and the and the workloads impacted by a change in the graph. So we don't if you have, you know, 10,000 workloads and three of them change, we don't push a new policy to uh, 9,997. We only we only could uh, send it out to the ones that had a direct relationship with those three impacted workloads. Um, so it's an important point. And that's actually really interesting because when you start talking about discovery, which is what I would call illumination, is really a discovery mode to say, "Hey, what is my application? You're telling me, showing me how my system is talking to everywhere else. And then during that discovery, I might find out that I'm already talking to a cloud because, hey, I'm IT and I'm not the application developer. I'm the security guy, and I find out, hey, I'm already talking to Amazon. Hey, what's up in Amazon, and why are we talking to them? But you, that could be a way to discover shadow IT. But then you also have the issue of I am – 
I need to meet compliance, and we know that these are HIPAA workloads or PCI-based workloads, and all of a sudden they're talking to something that is definitely not in scope for those particular compliance audits. Now I need to do something different. So this elimination mode allows me not only to find it, but also to verify that what I thought it was is really the, what I'm looking at. That, 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 is, that to me is the exact same, this is going to sound bizarre, but that's almost the exact same application of technology as the, a dev workload works its way into production and starts to do something it's maybe supposed to do, but it's in the wrong environment to be doing it. You know, that, that HIPAA workload running someplace and it's acting out of profile, it's, it's, it's one of those sort of blind spots for gateway security. And whether that, you know, even if for gateway security where they don't understand what's going on behind them, so they can't say, oh, this is actually a bad flow, when in, in yeah. fact it's what it's supposed to be doing. Well, in fact, I was talking to one of the architects of one of our customers yesterday, and the analogy I have for this is the way we've used zones or VLANs um, and the rough immune segmentation of the network traditionally is a little like the multiplex at your movie theater. So you think you're buying a ticket for Interstellar, but when you come out of Interstellar, it turns out you could go see Big Eyes. You can see you know, any other movie because there's actually no enforcement. So if you have, let's say you have a de development environment and all your computing workloads in your development environment are effectively in the same VLAN or the same zone, um, they can actually communicate with each other um, that may or may not be something that you really want to do, and when it gets to production, it's obviously worse. That's, that's a so, great example. That's a great example. So, I mean, I, 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 I think, think you know, we're moving to a world of a security policy of one, right, like like an army of one, and that, that ad is that you have to be extremely granular and precise, and what you don't want to have to do is change the infrastructure or touch the infrastructure every time something moves or changes, because it's you're going to get into trouble. I mean, I love human beings. I've created a couple, even though they, they come with college tuition. And, you know, but it is, uh, you, there's certain things you don't want people to touch. The other thing is that, you know, I, I'd be curious actually with Mike or even the other guys, Mike, Michael, have on this, is that the con the art, what we've done for the last 25 years in IT is we've tried to isolate IT functions the way they out, we isolate elements of the network. So there's a storage layer, and there's a networking layer, and there's a compute layer, and there's a security architect. Um, increasingly, as we've seen the move to cloud and, and distributed computing, we're also starting to collapse how we think about the functions that support applications, effectively the overall big C compute infrastructure. And those intersections or something that don't lend itself to a lot of human intervention, it tends to slow things down. So there's not just a technology shift that people have to get past as they get to hybrid cloud, they have to get past the human shift. Because we now have people yeah. who can actually effectively take a credit card and spin up a new application in Amazon who have nothing to do with the other traditional functions of IT. Absolutely. So that's what I was alluding to earlier when I was asking about the technology adoption lifecycle. Um, for most organizations who have been around for a while, the um, adoption of new technologies is slow, not because the technology isn't always ready. You know, sometimes you guys are in stealth mode and you work with certain customers, but the challenge has always been exactly what you mentioned, the business and the internal organization. They may not have, in, in the early days, uh, virtualization was hard to adopt because 
it was hard to know which team would own it, right? The network team, the server team, the desktop team, storage team. And so uh, now we have virtualization teams, and they see their jobs being threatened because uh, we have an alternate cloud team, right? And if, if you're going to a hybrid cloud, who's going to support it, the virtualization team or the cloud team? So back to square one almost, uh, it's a lot of consolidation going on within the organization. There can be different roles and experts within the org, but we have to redefine the way the organizations um, roll out new applications and support those applications in production. And that's where the DevOps movement is coming along, but there's a lot of work to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing along with DevOps is this evolution to a service team, right? And so if you want to go back to that HR application, I think you were using the illustrative point earlier, there should be a, a team or a workflow that supports the HR application. And then that workflow uh, will pull in, right, the, the necessary storage layer, networking layer, cloud, or virtualization uh, expertise to support the, the service delivery to everyone who uses that particular application. So it is breaking down the traditional silos and uh, sort of the uh, layering, if you will, because the layers are disappearing and as a necessity. And uh, people are having to work in a much more rapidly evolving and more collaborative environment. And, and it makes sense that you would need a um, access control method, right, um, that is able to suss out for itself, so to speak, right, and that the security automation in the image, um, you can have some natural rules for databases and then see that these databases are communicating with these applications. Now, clearly, at some point, a human being labels that as financial or HR, um, but then at that point, uh, that labeling and the natural language policy that goes along with the label then sticks with it, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yep. And then when you start I mean, thinking about, so let, let's go back, let's go that back to um, a little bit more concrete items. So in the last little, in the last 15 minutes of the call is because I always want to leave our listeners with something that they can do today. So we talked about your first step in Illumio's illumination or discovery of everything. The next step would be what? To find the policy well, for what you found? Yeah, the, 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 next, the next thing is you would actually write the security policy. And by the way, you would write it either um, through your orchestration systems or you'd write it you know, through our system. And then you would move it into what we call enforcement where we are then now moving that security policy, turning it into actual security, where we are then going in and effectively plumbing uh, the communications capabilities on the workloads, right? We're, we're not an agent blocking things. We're actually controlling the ports on the workload itself and actually creating the, um, the, the, the micro-segmentation and the uh, other security capabilities onto the, onto the workload. So then you're now in enforced. So that dev server can never talk to the internet and can never talk to the production because we've locked down its approach and it's done effectively through an adaptive whitelist model. So the only way you're allowed to communicate is when you've been told what you can communicate with as opposed to blocking everything else. And a so third in this case, if, right. and let's, I mean, let's, let's look at this one a little bit a little deeper, and that is, right. is that let's say I am migrating it into the cloud. 
and I have a production workload and I have a dev workload that are the exact same application. They're built almost they're built identically and we test it all identically. When you start talking about doing that, I may end up moving it into different EBS zones if I'm doing it in Amazon. I may move it into different VPCs. Do you give advice out of your tool when you get the policy to say, hey, if you're going to go to cloud, you want to do X, Y, and Z? To add more, well, even more layering and stuff. Well, I want, to, I want to. It's a good question. I want to make sure that we actually tear this one apart to answer it correctly for you. When a workload moves, let's say from Azure to Amazon, or your own, you know, runs from a data center into into Amazon, it carries the exact same security policy and instrumentation as it did in the data center itself. So the think about the the security, think about it as that little containerization or firewall around that application stretches all the way into that public cloud environment and continues to enforce the policy as if it was sitting on the same rack in some layer two proximity. Um, in can, I ask you a, a, can I ask you a clarifying well, question on, on that statement you just made? So yeah. you, you said that it does do this. Um, are you talking about in the context of a specific tool or solution? Because I haven't actually heard of that before. Normally, um, our experience in the you know the way a lot of companies <laughs> use the cloud is actually those security policies do not follow directly to the public cloud from a local data center. So, what is what we've been is this? A, this is the Illumino technology you're talking about that enforces that now that does carry no, the no, security no, policy no. along with it. Then let me uh, let me hop in. Smack when I'm speaking. Well, so, uh, and I want to so, add, and I want to add one more thing before you, you talk about that, Matt. And that is, is that you're talking about a very specific subset of my security policy, not my entire policy. The reason I'm going to say that is that my entire policy includes data protection, encryption, antivirus, anti-malware, the gamut of anything I'm dealing with for any given workload. Illumio is doing a small part of that, not all of it. That's correct. We're not doing all of it. But in terms of the what you think about as your segmentation or your firewall policy and your encryption, because you can encrypt um, you know, with Illumio, those pieces would move into the public cloud. We are not doing AV and things at layer 7. So that would have to be instrumented separately. That's absolutely correct. So I actually want to tease it apart. Even, even more. Yeah, even more, right? So um, your security policy in your own private data center at the end of the day is basically based on a bunch of, you know, in the firewall land, firewall land it's based on a bunch of L3, L4 uh, security rules, right? And the when you move to public cloud, everything is still addressable. It just happens that all of your addressing has suddenly been wiped out and changed, right? And so the, problem, the, the friction point is, you know, if you, if, you were to, if you were to ask all the networking guys and say, hey, look, um, we're going to move this application. It's about a four-tier app, and we use Nagios for monitoring. We use RabbitMQ for messaging. I want you guys to write a security topology. I want you guys to write a security policy for it. But, you know, it's working in our own data center in Sheboygan today, but I want to move it into either Amazon or Azure tomorrow, and I don't know which one it's going to be, but I want you to write a security policy that's going to make that happen, right? Allow us to make sure the security is going to work. That is the fundamental problem that a lot of enterprises face. You know, thanks to VMware, uh, I can spin up workloads super fast, right? 
this, the network and the security attached to those networks, like you know, you know, doing VLAN tricks takes a lot of time, right? Uh, writing the security, the firewall rules take a lot of time. What we basically do is when that vent gets the context of the individual workload, it's going to feed the IT information of those workloads up to the policy compute engine, and that will make it, and that will, and it will recalculate the IP rules for each one of those individual workloads dynamically so that the, the user doesn't have to. So as these workloads go between private public data center, the calculation happens. And it happens again and again and again. Anytime there's a change in the graph, and that it, it will recompute the security policy. Um, in, in terms uh, well, of well, well, let's, let's say it'll recompute the IP security policy because it's yes, not going to recompute yes, that, yes, that's correct. We got to be really um, specific yeah, here because every time someone says Amazon, security here, yeah. if you we, had, we a, only, if you had an I'm Amazon thinking a lot broader than that. I mean, is yes. there a way, for example, that if you did recompute the policy? that you call out to something that says, okay, you now need to update the rest of it, whatever that is. Well, the question I was going to ask, because you've got this as a feature on your website, um, and it's often tricky to do, so just the mere fact that you make this easy is pretty cool. So you've got this IPsec capability. Yeah. And I might have a, can I have a rule that says, you know, if my workload is here and here, don't bother with IPsec, but if my workload goes to there, say Azure, Turn IPsec on. Absolutely. Ah, interesting. Yeah, you could you could you simply say it. You know, if, if the location is Azure and it's connecting to, you know, anywhere else, running over IPsec, absolutely. And we can do you know Linux to Linux IPsec, Windows to Windows IPsec, or Windows to Linux point to point IPsec also. Mm-hmm. See that IP security. This is solving a lot of issues, but there's a whole lot more to the term security than just IP security. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And, and security. The word security is like the Pacific Ocean. I will fall. We will fall on our vendor petards that we may use the term security broadly, but we are referring to the we you talk about the IP security today. Yeah, because so we're still we're not talking about uh, authentication of of, of uh, who, a person, whether or not. You know, say I should have access to payroll or not. Um, that may be a different a different problem. Because that was with yeah, the absolutely. We're not doing our network. Yeah. It'd be nice to get to that point. So we have because <laughs> so the wait, steps wait, are going. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. So the steps for moving security from the data center into a hybrid environment is first to um, discover or illuminate. The second one is to verify against all your existing policies and write new ones. Com- sort of combine. Well, you know, I should say that you may or may not write new ones. We can also pull a lot of information out of your CMDB or out of your orchestration tools. It's a, it's a very, I'm trying, I'm trying to nuance the answer just a little because of the diversity of IT environments, right? Um, you know, the, I mean, the other thing we can do, and nice people forget it, is that we can actually just go in and enforce. Like, we can just go in through a CMDB and saying, this is the way it's going to be, right? And we can skip the discovery step. Uh, most people don't tend to do that. Um, you know, and obviously, brownfield, greenfield environments, people use CMDBs, don't use CMDBs, people use Chef and Puppet, don't use Chef and Puppet. They lead, you know, they lead to some nuances into you know, that steps moving into hybrid cloud. 
But once you have it in the hybrid cloud for whatever mechanism there is, you need something that will enforce the IP security at the hybrid cloud, but you also need to have the rest of the whole IT security suite in there, whatever it is. That's oh, not IP. Is there a way yeah. in Illumio that if you do detect a change that we can be then get a call out for us to do other things? Um, so like let, so let's uh, I just want to tease that question out. So if let's if if the if the giant man application suddenly makes its way into Amazon alerting the other IT security mechanisms that hey there's been a change you guys need to re you know change your posture is that sort of what you mean? Or you detect enough of an IP change that, like, it's moved from dev to test or whatever it is, or it's moved between, um, let's say you detect that the OS has been patched or whatever it is. I may need to do a change because of that to my AV needs to update or my data protection needs a new, a new update. I'm actually forced to do that because of different versions of things. I think the, the, the easiest way to answer the question is the, company, the, the, the platform's built on a series of RESTful APIs. So a lot of those, those alerts are things that can be pulled out. What would say from a SIM or other tools that you would use to alert, your, to alert you, we're still, you know, we're, we're working through those scenarios with a lot of customers right now. But, you know, we, you know, we do see any diffs, and the ways you can take action on those diffs, you know, could be, you know, alerts into a SIM or, you know, other tools. Yeah, we, we do send alerts when there is a state change, which can be used by other, other tools for those types of security. Okay, good. Because when, when the state changes for whatever reason, I need to update the rest of my security posture or data protection well, posture you, or whatever it you, is. You may want to change it or you may want to investigate, right? It could be exactly. you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a piece of malware and sometimes it's just a piece of software or hardware getting squirrely, right? And, you know, uh, you know, you could write a policy to auto-quarantine, but that could be very severe, right? So it's, that's why I was talking about the nuance before. It, it depends on what it is. Like if it's a certain type of application, your answer might be to shut it off if anything is bad. But something else that says, well, we're going to get around to looking at it. And, it's, um, it's, it, it, and I think somebody said earlier in the podcast, that, you know, people ultimately have to make higher level decisions, right? You know, there's going to be a Maslow's hierarchy for security uh, folks um, going forward and root level configuration the kind of food and food and shelter element of the hierarchy is increasingly going to be, I think, done by software. But the let's make a decision based on what we've just seen because it affects our business for a very long time is going to be the you know the that 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 self-actualization part of the hierarchy is going to be done by really smart security folks because it's because it's a very very complicated world. Yes, it is. I don't see that changing anytime soon. So in the last yeah. couple of minutes, um, what, uh, some last thoughts. Eben, why don't you start us off? Well, um, I'm surprised we're asking these guys to do any more than they're already doing. This is uh, amazing to have this. Uh, we, we've been talking about policy engines, and I know there's a lot of work going on with that. Um, it's still kind of in its infancy. 
And I know that context to drive those policy engines is needed, and, and it sounds like you guys have um, come a long way to making that a reality. So kudos, and I look forward to hearing more about how this is um, working in the real world. So I'm excited about this. Okay. Mr. Berman? Michael, you with us still? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I was agreeing with Ethan. It's a, it's a neat capability. Um, and uh, obviously, we're, we're discussing it without using it, but uh, I'm going to trust that uh, it does all the things that are described here. And that alone is enough, right? Just being able to um, express these types of uh, uh, internet uh, and network layer um, access controls with awareness of which application is talking to what other application is a significant step forward um, in reducing complexity. And I think the observations earlier about reducing, um, making it simpler for human beings is, is what has to happen here. Uh, it'll reduce error, it'll improve management, and it really puts the humans to work doing what you know humans are still best at. So I applaud uh, all of that. I think to Ed's point, um, down the road, as you're successful, there may be more and more needs for interoperability with other tools, but I, uh, I'm confident that as you see those needs, you'll uh, step up to address them. So all in all, uh, excellent technology. Thank you. Mr. Foley. Yeah, um, I, I tried to get a couple of words in edgewise, but it's pretty loud here. Um, so apologies for not adding too much during the conversation. Uh, I, I agree with Michael and even uh, I, I think any tool that is going to bring uh, a visual representation of a very complex environment and workflow uh, and sim make, uh, simplify it so that people can just get their work done uh, is, uh, is a huge win. Um, we, we talked earlier about the 30,000 firewall rules and which one do I pull out. I like to call that firewall Jenga. Uh, no one wants to actually play Jenga with a firewall rule because they know they're always afraid it's just going to collapse on them and and uh, you know have the auditors or regulators breaking uh, breaking down their doors. So uh, any tool that would that can help them uh, isolate the unneeded stuff and trim down the complexity is uh, is is really really needed in this environment. And uh, you know, kudos to the the team for for heading in that direction. I, I look forward to seeing what they're going to do coming forward. And I'd like to add before I, I hand it off to um, the Illumio team, Alan and, and Matt, is that when you start looking at hybrid cloud security, you got to change your mindset. You got to stop thinking about edge firewalls. You got to stop thinking about edges at all, to be honest and start thinking about the workloads, to find that application, discover the application, and work it with it as an application to simplify the real rules that you're going to need. And that's sort of what this product does, and I think that's great. Um, Alan, Matt, whichever one wants to go first, your last thoughts. Guys there still? It's great to be. I was just going to say, I thought we were we were we were also put the mute button so we could hear carefully. Um, it's great. First of all, thank you very much, and we appreciate obviously the feedback from everybody. Um, you know, somebody said in the beginning, and my closing thought is, we're in the beginning of a big change. We're not at the end. 
and there's going to be a lot that has to occur um, for people to take take advantage of these computing environments. So you know we're we're you know we're excited um, to be able to you know participate and, and build our solution. Yeah, thank you, Alan. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of the Virtualization Security Podcast that we had Illumio online and our standard panelists of even Michael and Mike and myself, Edward. Thank you once more. Thanks.